This is a Cherish podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Boudreau. I'll be taking you for an inside look behind the glamorous facade of the interior design industry. At a time when every aspect of the business, from sourcing to trends to marketing to dealing with clients, is undergoing rapid change. Even in this age of Instagram, print retains its power. But with fewer national shelter magazines and with an increasing emphasis on celebrity, how are designers supposed to get their work seen and attract new clients? Fortunately, regional publications have come to the rescue. Regional shelter magazines are better than ever, reach a wider range of readers, and have more impact than they ever did. Today, I'm fortunate to have with me three powerhouse talents who have been instrumental in the success of their regional publications and websites. They're going to explain how they operate, what's behind their success, and what they see for the future of regional media. First, I want to welcome Pamela Jacarino, Vice President and Editor-in-Chief of Lux Interiors and Design which is the largest residential architecture and design brand in the country, with a whopping 14 editions. Welcome, Pamela. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Michael. Thank you. I'm also fortunate to have with us Kendall Kronstrom, Editor-in-Chief of Cottages and Gardens, which has editions on New York City, the Hamptons, and Connecticut. Hello, Kendall. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And I'm also very pleased to have with me my former colleague, Clinton Smith, with us. Clint was the editor of Atlanta Homes and Lifestyles before becoming the editor of Veranda, which was itself originally a regional magazine before going national. Now he's an advisor to New England Home, where he also writes a column. Welcome, Clint. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. So I want to get started. Like, I want to start with you, Pamela. When I was a magazine editor, I could barely get out 10 issues a year. And you have 14 different editions. I mean, and how many issues does each of them have? Like six or eight? How does that happen? Yeah, well, I've got really good biceps, Michael. What can I tell you? My team and I put out, are you ready? 75 issues of Lux a year. That's impossible. We do it. It, it, is, it is possible when you have an amazing team and yeah, it is, uh, it's quite, you know, we started with one regional book 15 years ago and have grown Lux to be quite a force today in regional design. It's amazing. And I know some of your team are former colleagues of mine, so I know you only go for the best. Um, <laughs> and Kendall, you have three different editions. How do you oversee all of them? Well, actually, I don't oversee our Connecticut edition. That is done by separate staff under DJ Carey. Okay. I oversee our Hamptons and New York editions, and we put out 15 a year, which is quite a bit, actually. That's a lot. small staff, but it's very gratifying. Okay. And Clint, you have gone from regional to national to regional. What is it about regional publications that you feel is special and that attracts you and keeps you interested? Well, what I was... At a lot of homes and lifestyles, one of the things that I felt was always very fascinating is people would come to uh, pitch a project, they'd be published in a regional magazine, Atlanta Homes, and then they'd want to go and be published on the national stage, which is totally understandable. Who doesn't want that? But then after a couple of times of being published nationally, they would always circle back because the designer, the architect would always come to us and say, I always got immediate feedback immediate calls from being published locally. 
And of course, you know, there's a gravitas and, you know, sort of a stamp of approval of being published nationally. And, you know, it's wonderful to be able to put that on your website, but it's also be able to great to get real life clients from that. And that's where a local magazine can really deliver. Right. And I can see that happening as two years ago, I bought a, a weekend house in Connecticut. And believe me, Kendall, I started reading Connecticut Cottages and Gardens. And I, it's a great thing for resources and that kind of thing, which it always has been in terms of finding shops or finding a contractor or whatever. But I do think, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, although I doubt you will. I think that the quality of regional magazines has increased vastly in the last decade. And I would love to get your take on why you think that is and how that's come about. Pamela, do you want to weigh in first, well, ladies first? Oh, sure. I mean, I, I think that things like production values and the quality are, are paramount, no matter what brand you're leading. And particularly with regional magazines where we've seen where sometimes the quality can can slip, I've always felt, and, and our company has always felt, that we have to double down and, you know, put a lot into it. We do epic photo shoots for our front of book product and the quality of paper. And you just have to take a lot of care and attention when you're producing a regional magazine. Also, the integrity is very, very important because, right, it it, it sometimes can go a little bit of a pay-to-play route. And I think uh, as the editor-in-chief, you really have to make sure that you're serving your reader in in a respectful way, quite frankly. Right. And have you felt pressure from the publishers? I mean, I know when I was at El Decor, I sometimes very subtly they would apply a little pressure. But is that an issue? And kind of why don't you weigh in on that? Well, uh, we're very church and state, which I greatly appreciate. And um, yeah, you know, you want to be aware of the advertisers who are supporting you, of course, and keep them in mind. And But also what's most important for me is supporting regional vendors, you know, supporting people who have great shops out in the Hamptons and, and making sure that we're pulling product from those shops for our market pages. That's a great way of showing them support and getting, having a closer relationship than maybe nationals can have with them. Right. Because I, I do think, you know, in this day and age, people say oh, we can buy anything on the internet. So you could feature anything. But I wanted to ask you, and Clint, I wanted to ask you too, do you also try and put an emphasis on local resources? I mean, even though a lot of the local stores feature national brands and uh, finds from around the world, but is that part of what you think makes you special? Oh, absolutely. Anytime we're doing any sort of um, shopping pages or style guides, we look at the local resources. And what's interesting, as opposed to when I was working exclusively in Atlanta, at Atlanta Homes, New England, of course, is a much greater region. It starts just north of New York City and Fairfield County and stretches all the way to Maine. So we have a large geographic area to draw from. Not only that, you have, you know, like metropolitan Boston and Providence, but then you also have great shops in the second home and weekend communities, Mm -hmm. you know, out on the Cape and the island. So there's there's no shortage of being able to draw on um, regional vendors. And to Pamela's point about investing in great paper and great photography and making the effort to invest in great writers, I think that's where regionals really excel because, you know, you can have a nicer cover stock, you can have thicker paper, you can have a wider trim width because the regionals, for the most part, are unburdened by some of the issues that have kind of burdened some of the legacy national publishers. And so there is more flexibility 
because there aren't these gigantic print runs and huge distributions. It's much more niche, much more concentrated. Um, and so it's a, it's a real gift when you get it, you know, on the newsstand or in the mailbox. Right. And how big a circulation do each of you have? I mean, obviously, Pamela, it's going to be hard for you to answer that. You have different, circ- but like yeah. New England Home Clinic, how big of circulation is that? Well, New England Home is interesting because there are six issues of New England Home, the flagship. Then right. there are four issues of, of, of a spinoff of New England Home, Connecticut. Then there's another special issue called um, New England Home, Cape and Islands. And then there are two other titles. Um, wow. Next, which is, I know, <laughs> Next, which is Once a Year, which is a younger demographic, much more urban. And then Rise, um, which is all about high-rise living, which is, if you haven't seen the Boston skyline. I have, lately, I mean, believe it, me. It's, I... it's certainly being transformed. So each of these titles has a different distribution model and circulation. Wow. And how does that apply the same way for you, Pamela, in terms of your, some, some editions I'm sure are much bigger. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, all in, all in, we're, you know, we're half a million all in with all the regions mm-hmm. when you add them up. And, you know, our Which Southeast. Which is the size of a national magazine. Yes. Right. So our, our Southeast obviously is for our book, our, you know, sort of our, we're covering a lot of ground in that region. And, you know, New York, San Francisco. So some are more sort of concentrated and others over a bigger a bigger swath, if you will. And how about you, Kendall, with the, the we, editions of Cottage and Garden? Yeah, we do. Uh, it's controlled circulation, and we do a drop of, I think it's 40,000 uh, per issue with a readership of about 200,000 per issue. That's that's very healthy. Very, very healthy. So I'm, I want to ask you all something that I know our designer listeners are dying to know. How do you find your projects? And, and the question that I hated when I was the editor, but I'm going to ask it anyway, what are you looking for? Okay. So but let's start with you, Pamela. You have the widest geographic range. So ha- really, how do you find the best in each one of those yeah. 14 so areas? So we, we actually at Lux ha- are, are a team of 100. And we have a big office in New York. We have an office in Florida. And we have homes, editors, and publishers on the business side deployed living in these regional markets. So all of the homes editors are sort of the first point of contact for for a home feature, right? Which is where most people want to get in the book, although there's other ways to get in through the kitchen and bath department and what have you. And, you know, I think first and foremost, it has to, the home has to make sense for the region. So, right, a a home that you would put in a San Francisco book is very different than a home in Hamptons or in Houston. And it's got to fit into the context. I think we're looking at, you know, the landscape, the architecture, the construction, and the interiors for us. Ideally, uh, the whole home. Sometimes, obviously, it's just an interiors uh, project. It might just be a condo in Miami. Mm -hmm. But first and foremost, it has to feel appropriate to its sense of place. So in other words, if it's a designer that's based in Florida, but they do a project in New York, you wouldn't put that in the Florida edition. We, we might, we, we, look, we try to keep it in the neighborhood. (laughs) If you will, quite frankly, we might have an architect who's based in Palm Beach with a great project that he did with a builder and a designer from New York. And it's just, if we are wowed by it, we're going to make that project go, go in. There are rules, but you can bend them a little. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And Kendall, how's that work for you? 
I have no shortage of projects to be I'm sure. I'm sure none magazine. of you have a shortage. And, and it's, a, it's a blessing to have. Um, sometimes a curse. Um, but I think what I look for most is, in a way, sort of like a national magazine editor is a good variety of projects. Mm-hmm. Because you can say, oh, the Hamptons is so niche, which it is in some ways. But there are people who have different tastes. They want super architectural. They want trad. You know, they want everything in between. They want Single style, um, modern. That's exactly. And, you know, they might be looking to tear down their house and build a new one that's super modern. So they might be looking for that. So I like to look for a really good mix as long as the design integrity of each project is strong. Right. Okay. And I'm going to ask another fraught question. Do you... the three of you, I'll, you can all weigh in on this, feel that you are now getting better projects than in the past because the national magazines have shifted their focus. I mean, let's face it, some of them have become very celebrity obsessed or star designer obsessed or whatever, which I think is the curse of having to reach a mass market audience. You tend to go celebrity oriented. And I would think, and it's from reading your magazines, I sense this, that you are being offered better projects even than you were five years ago. Is that true? Clint, what about you? What do you think? Well, I think the entire dynamic has changed because now that, you know, Instagram has been around for, what, almost 10 years now and everyone has smartphones and, you know, it's every designer and architect and builder and contractor, you know, is in charge of content creation. Yes. themselves, right? I mean, you just have to feed the beast. And so designers and architects have gotten very savvy about, sure, we want to be published and that is going to be the icing on the cake. But let me go in, let me look in the magazine, let me look in New England Home, let me look in Lux, let me look in Cottage and Gardens and see which photographers and stylists they're using and let me hire them to shoot my project right. for my own records. Right. And if they want it, great. But I do certainly the level of projects I just think is that's coming in is remarkable right now. Okay, but you don't want to attribute it to a particular reason. Um. I, well, it goes without saying. I mean, you hit, I mean, you mentioned that you know the Nationals definitely have fewer pages than they've had in the past, and and there's fewer you know, of them. Fewer of them, and also just running fewer projects per issue. So yeah, that certainly has, I think, opened the door to things that, you know, titles may not have seen in the past. Emily, do you feel the same? Yeah, I have to agree with Clint. I think, number one, people are much more sort of promotional marketing savvy. We have noticed a trend that a lot of design professionals are, are, are otherwise shooting, right? We'll get a submission and it's beautiful, and right. it's shot by a photographer that we would have gone in. So I have to make a decision: Do we want to? You know, is it on their Instagram? Where have they used it? And right. how do we how do we navigate through all of that? And I also think that they, you know, to your earlier point, these design professionals are, or maybe it was Clint who said it in a regional book. We get their phone to ring, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which right. is very important. Now, for Lux, not only are we distributed um, regionally, we also own the newsstand at 250 private jet terminals across the country, right. where we have every one of our Lux magazines distributed, as well as other Sandow titles. And that, for design professionals and for the business, is a very coveted audience. And I think you know people see the value there and and want their work we find published in our book 
for many reasons, including that one as well. Right, right. And what about you, Kendall? You would you agree the, with that? I've had the same experience. You know, so many people have said to me, architects, designers, that they've, you know, they finally reached the holy grail of AD, for example, and got no calls. And then they were in I heard that when I was El Decor. And got so <laughs> many calls. And, you know, I think we're offering a similar caliber, a similar quality. And they're realizing that, yes, as Pamela and Clinton said, the phone is ringing where it wasn't ringing before. Right. And I have to say, if I were a, a small advertiser, not a national brand like one of the fabric companies, if I had a shop or, or you know, I was a regional artisan, I would look to advertise in your in your magazines because I would imagine that they would also get a more immediate response just the way a designer does because, well, like, as I said, I was reading Connecticut Cottage and Garden because I was looking for particular things in my area. We but had I a also, shop all of yeah. New York, but, you know. I, I also want to make a point about that, which we've always believed. All design is local. So if I am a national brand, like Kravit, like Perennials, guess what? They all have local showrooms. Right. And what a fabric that they may be selling in New York will not translate to Miami. So we've always felt for the, for the, I mean, obviously we have a lot of regional on the business side partners and we love them. And also nationally, we are able, and I think regional titles are able to speak to for a national brand, their, their audience in a very, in a way that is meaningful to them, whether you're selling furniture, fabric, right? So I think that that's important to add to the context as well, Michael. Hi, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying the Cherish podcast. My name is Anna Brockway, and I'm the co-founder and president of Cherish. And I'm just going to take a quick second to give you the inside scoop on our Cherish trade program. Professional designers are invited to join our program to access really great benefits like net pricing and a special trade-only customer service team. And new this year, we're introducing a loyalty program where designers earn $75 in cash for every $5,000 they spend on Cherish. We hope you'll join us. You can do so by visiting cherish.com backslash trade. That's C-H-A-I-R-I-S-H dot com backslash trade. Now back to the show. I think it's interesting that, you know, we're a huge country and we we all read the national magazines. We read World of Interiors, whatever. But there are regional differences. A designer friend, I won't say the name, but maybe guess, was was approached by a fabric company to do outdoor fabrics. And they were talking with him about where their current sales were and where they were hoping to increase their sales, that they were low. And, you know, he looked at the product line. And he said, this is, you know, you, you reached the two coasts, but you are missing the entire middle swath and the southern swath because they are different. The regions are different. So... Of course, that brings up a question of like, how regional do you feel you need to be, especially when it comes to social media or websites, because they're national by the definition. Your website reaches everybody, your social media reaches everybody as opposed to the print does. So how do you balance that out in terms of your social media and your websites? Who wants to tackle that first? Big question. Well, I would say in New England specifically, you know, you want to celebrate the sense of place as diverse as it is, it has such a rich history. But like, but if you go to Metro Boston or Providence, these are major 21st century urban centers 
that are, you know, mixing the best in, of old and new. So how do you celebrate that without falling into cliches? Or how do you right. celebrate the beautiful homes on the Cape and Islands without falling into, you know, the seashells and, you know, things that may, might be expected? But on the other hand, you have to balance that because there's a group of people who don't live in New England, but, you know, there's there's this idea of what New England means. There's a romance to it. There's an aspirational quality to it. But you want to reflect what's happening in real life that also kind of play into that romanticism a little bit whenever it makes sense. I think we get a lot of traffic, too, from people who are just obsessed with the Hamptons. They hear about the Hamptons. They know right. what the Hamptons are. They go to our website, to our product, to see what we're doing and to get inspiration about what Hamptons living is like. And then I, I would also add, Michael, you know, it's interesting for us. So I'm, I, I may be a reader in the Southeast and feel as though, you know, Lux is reflecting what's happening in that region. But I also, you know, want to be inspired by by design all over. So, you know, if, if people go to luxsource.com, you know, they can, they can look at so many different design ideas. And I think that that's as well. So, so important. Right. And I wanted to ask, get a sense. I agree with you. I think your readers are probably looking for the best of everything in their region and it's outside. I do think really sophisticated people don't confine themselves to regional look, but I think they understand that wherever your house is, is going to shape the way that it's perceived, you know, gardens in the Hamptons are very different than gardens in Connecticut, Absolutely. for example, or whatever. So you, your house has to reflect the reality of where you are, but that doesn't mean you're immune to influences globally and whatever. I mean, as Clint, as you were saying, a tower in, a tower in Boston is going to be very different from a cottage on Martha's Vineyard. But, you know, at the same time, it's part of the region. So I, I guess my question is, how do you decide what not to run? What's outside the boundaries? Anything really ugly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If it's badly designed, we don't want to put anyway, it in. That goes without okay. saying. And I have to say, <laughs> you succeed at that, Pamela. <laughs> you, I'm sure you've kept a lot of ugly out. But you know, you know what I'm saying is like, Kendall... There's all kinds of places in the Hamptons, and I'm sure you turn down a lot of things. I what do. do you, what What would you turn down, like almost automatically? Um, something that is soulless, doesn't have personality. Um, a big thing for me is artwork. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of houses out here that you walk in, and it's got great bones. What could be, you know, shingle style old old cottage, Newport style cottage, or it could be brand new, modern, and you walk in and there's no feeling that anyone lives there. And that's very sad. I would never run a place like that. So that's a benchmark right there. And how about you, Clint, in terms of what you're you're looking for? Just just one example. Yeah. So just one example is, you know, you think of a house that's decorated in a beautiful blue and white palette. Mm-hmm. Well, I can assure you, there is no shortage of houses decorated mm-hmm. in blue and white along the New England coast. I believe so, that. Believe me. It, you know, it's a palace that everybody loves. I mean, it's just, you know, you can't go wrong with it. But when you are, you, you have, you know, let's say a dozen submissions featuring blue and white, the question becomes, which one of these has done blue and white in a way you've never seen it done before because it's an abundance of good taste, but it's sort of like, we can't, how many blue and white interiors, and I'm not picking on blue and white because I love it myself, but it's just 
a good example. But, you know, you can't run one or two per issue. So you just have to be very judicious and look for the ones that show you something that you've seen before, but in a completely different way. And Pamela, I want to ask you, are there regions that that you think have a better density, higher density of good design than others? I would think mm-hmm. that that was the case. I don't know if you want to name names, but... Have you noticed that? Well, you know, it's it's interesting that we have this sort of bird's eye view of, you know, uh, of what's happening in the luxury residential design sector. Yes, there are, you know, every region is 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 interesting for us. In the Pacific Northwest, the architecture and the landscape yeah. is very strong. And in that market, it, it's sometimes a little bit harder for us. We get these great submissions, but they didn't hire an interior decorator. Right. So, I would right, get we that love, at El Decor sometimes. We, yeah. You know, we love the architecture, but right. we can't run the project because it's just not done to the level. Right. Um, look, I can't pick favorites. I will say... I love our San Francisco edition. The reason why I'm just calling it out is because, you know, for me personally, and, and I like to not make the book for me, I'm making it for the reader. It's the landscape. They're into the history, the integrity of the architecture and the interiors. And there's a there's a lot of very, very good submissions, good quality submissions that we get from that region in the Southeast because we're covering a large swath that could be an Atlanta home and mm-hmm. Nashville home, you know, Alice Beach, you know, that's a, we get a lot of very good submissions Strong, and right. it gets hard to make those decisions because we can only publish so much in, in our book. Right. And I have to confess, you know, having edited a national magazine myself, we tried to, to avoid it, but it became very New York, also Europe, new, but very New York heavy and LA heavy. And it was really only when I left El Decor and went to Deering Hall, which is now owned by Cherish and has been merged with Cherish, that I realized the breadth of talent across the country, which is another thing. I hate to confess this, but it's true when I confess it. I was really surprised how much great talent was out there that I was unaware of. I don't know if it's because people were intimidated about submitting to a national magazine or they just were too busy with all their clients to do it. They didn't care, whatever the reason. It was really an eye-opening thing for me. And I guess I would think that you guys are much closer to those designers and connected to them by your publishers, your staff, your your teams that are out there looking at everything. And I, I, I would think that you guys have to turn down a lot of good stuff. Is that the case? I mean, we know we've talked about turning down the ugly stuff. That's a given, but how often does it frustrate you that you have to turn something down? A, because like, for example, if it's a, it's the second best blue and white thing that normally would be a great if it were, you know, how, how do you deal with that? How, how often does that arise? Well, you just have to be diplomatic, I guess. Um, <laughs> the flip side of that, the regional benefit being a regional editor is discovering a great new talent and, and giving them a break that they might not get if they're struggling to get into AD. Or I shouldn't right. be in AD, but a national magazine right. that isn't going to open any doors anytime soon or you don't have a connection and you can't get in. We're smaller, you know, we're more on to answering emails and being in touch with people who are up and coming. And it, it's a, it's so much fun to give a, a, a breakout designer their first big feature. Right. Super gratifying. Right. Right. And Pam, what about you? How, how do you <laughs> handle with the, the things that are almost good enough or under a different circumstance you might run? Does that happen a lot? 
Well, I have to say, I am I am very proud of the fact that we publish over all in architect, designer, builder, over 600 design professionals a year and over That's I think it's like 250 projects. So we do say yes a lot and often. Mm-hmm. Certain regions, honestly, New York for us is a tough region. We get a lot of Manhattan projects where mm-hmm. we have to make some tough calls. And it's always it's always difficult to turn someone's project down. That's very hopeful about getting published. And look, we we stay connected and I think, you know, you never know. You may say, we can't do this today, but, you know, three months, a project can come up from the same designer that we're just very excited about and that we're able to, to say yes to. So, but it's hard. It's right. hard to say, no, you want to give voice. And, 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 you know, to what Kendall said, I agree. Being able to publish someone's for the first time and you, you put, you put them on the cover. I mean, that is very meaningful. Um, and I've had designers who have told me, you know, my, my, you know, it really helped launch my business by being on that cover. And that's, you know, very important. And that builds loyalty too and support for our brands as well. Right. Of course. Of course. Listen, a couple times at El Decor, I did publish people for the first time. And I know it really was special, you know, or to give a designer their first cover is a special moment. So, Clint, I want to ask you because, you know, you were in Atlanta, then you were at Veranda and now New England Home. Have you noticed any difference in the level of quality of the overall submissions to any of, you know, was there a difference at Veranda? Did you get a higher level or is it just different? It's just different. You would think in you know this day and age there would be a lot of things that just look alike, and it really is refreshing to see how these, you know. And I still subscribe to Atlanta Homes and Lifestyles, and mm-hmm. you know, compared to New England and what I see in the Nationals, these regional areas really are have been able to hang on to their identities. And sometimes you can open it up, open up a magazine, and say, "I know this is in Boston. I know this is in." Charleston, South Carolina. And so I think in times past as a jaded editor-in-chief, I may have said, oh, everything looks alike now. When in fact, you know, with a little bit of removal, I see that it really doesn't. And, you know, people's individuality is able to come through, which is a great thing. I wanted to touch base just a second on one of the things that Kendall and Pamela mentioned about what having to cut something. One of the things that has been a great joy being back at New England home versus at Veranda is, you know, it's always been difficult to give space to artisans and shop business and makers in a national magazine because a shop doesn't necessarily, you know, for a shop in Dallas, you know, is someone in Seattle really going to care about us that much? Right, so be, right. being able to give that real estate in a regional magazine is really fantastic. Right. And I remember at El Decor, you know, under Marion and Margaret Russell, there was pages devoted to new shop openings around the country. But then when I took over, we still had that for a while. But then I kept getting pressure. Oh, you need to do more jewelry coverage to make the advertisers happy. You need to do more of this. And eventually we had to drop that page, which was only, you know, it's so... I think this, and I'm glad you brought that up, Clint, because I wanted to get back to the idea of products because all of you do really quite beautiful product pages, which I think to an editor is kind of a joy. And, you know, if you have the right staff to do those kind of things, do product pages and to cover artisans and all of that. So my question is, how do you decide 
what's regional or what's appropriate to your region in terms of the products? I mean, we talked about this a little bit. I'd love to go a little bit more in depth about that. Pam, why don't we start with you? Well, I'm, I'm, I feel so fortunate. You know, we have an incredible market team and COVID has sort of put us a little bit on hold yeah. to shoot in yeah. New York. Obviously, yeah. we've had to be creative. But aside from that, for us shooting product, fabric, rugs is, is very important. And we, we, you know, this is where you, right, we segue into, because when we shoot this, it runs out in every single edition of Lux. Right. And so we have to put our sort of national cap right. on Right, that's a more editors. national page is right to see what will translate on the high end. Obviously, there's so much new, fabulous new product that's always coming out that we see. And we're at a thousand previews all over. And, you know, we do what we always do. We edit and put in for our reader what we think that they're going to respond to. I want to make one more point, Michael, if I may, about artisans and makers. Mm -hmm. Because to me, they are. um, I'm a creative person. I am a big believer in giving voice to artisans and makers across the country. We used to do it a few years ago in a department up front. Mm -hmm. And a few years ago when we did a redesign, I said, let's put them in the feature well and do a huge photo shoot, which we do, and do, you know, two to three spreads on makers across the country. And I and I think it is, it just adds another layer um, uh, to to what we're doing for the reader. Yeah. And also those small makers are really suffering a lot at this time. We did an episode about it on the podcast because you can't support makers enough, I think, small. Not that we don't love Kravit and we don't love Holly Hunt and all of that, but you know, somebody who's making something beautiful should be supported. So you have a big market team, obviously, Pamela. What about you, Kendall? How do you find things like um, well, we have dedicated columns called Made in the Hamptons and Made in New York that I've been doing since day one. I love doing those. It features all local people, and it's a great way to support them. In terms of the market coverage, as I said earlier, we, we're we still pulling mostly from local vendors. And in fact, I hardly ever let a URL slip in. I mean, we'll add the URL, right, but I'm right. always looking for a street address and a phone number. Hey, pick right. up the phone. Who knew? Well, that is old-fashioned uh, yeah, to have a, a phone number. Um, <laughs> and, um, and it's great. You know, they, they feel so embraced by us, um, right. by that support. Right. And it's really important to, to cover that market. Right. Right. And what about you, Clint? Because God knows there's a lot of great makers in New England. Yeah, yeah, it's a collective effort, as with every issue. It depends on the theme, what the seasonality is, what we're trying to, you know, how to balance balance out the front of book with what's, you know, in the well. So the beauty is those those types of pages get to be done closer to deadline. So they're much newsier and much more of the moment as opposed to a house feature, which was probably published a year or two ago. Right. Right. I mean, we would have an inventory often for a year, year and a half at El Decor and decide, when are you going to publish that project? It's like, well, it's on the boards. Don't worry. You know? So yes, I think the product thing is, is really important. And I think it's a way to bring immediacy. But do, do you guys all cover like, you had mentioned Pamela, kitchens and bath. Now that's a big market. How do you, do you do it in the same way as a national magazine would? Do yes. You, 
yeah, we have in every single fairs. so six times a year we go to all the you know right. you would all have the, been at your kitchen and mm-hmm. kitchen and bath and mm-hmm. and all of that and um we in every single issue it's a big category for our readers mm-hmm. uh you know i think most people are redoing kitchens and baths right where people spend um, their money they spend their money there and so in every single issue of lux we cover in a big way uh in multiple pages uh a kitchen and bath edit um, we we look for regional inspiration, right? So we that's a way for for designers and architects to get published across the board. We get we get a lot of submissions, and we also outreach. Uh, again, depending on what's on the edit calendar, we may be looking for modern kitchens. We you know depending on what it is, we'll outreach and often do photo shoots for that as that section as well. Okay, and Kendall, what about you? The Hamptons, I mean. God knows it's a big build and reno market. I mean, it slowed down for a little while, but now with COVID, oh, and it's people, still it's back. strong, and people are home and they're <laughs> right. like looking for projects and they right. are redoing their kitchens and baths. Right. So we're we cover them constantly, mm-hmm. and I mean every every story usually has an amazing kitchen in it, and so it's always a point to shoot kitchens and bathrooms. And our Connecticut issue um, actually does a, a special issue in, in January devoted to kitchens and tan in tandem with the kitchen and bath right. show. Right. Right. And what about New England, Clint? I mean, so there's kitchen and bath products usually in every issue, maybe not always a big blowout, but then there's a special bath section every spring and a special kitchen section every fall. And this year it's September, October. And do you find there's enthusiasm a lot in the part of, let's say, a lot of kitchen and bath companies are national and plumbing, light fixtures, appliances, these are complicated markets. Is there enthusiasm on the part of these national brands for your regional editions? Do they understand the value of it? Yeah, absolutely. And what's interesting is as you go throughout New England, especially in the larger markets, there are some absolutely remarkable kitchen and bath showrooms. I mean, these are, you know, experiential is a word that's overused, but, you know, you can certainly see yourself living in these spaces and wanting, you know, that ice maker, that convection oven, that induction range. So they do a really good job in New England of presenting the what could be. Right, right. And I think we see that in every regional market. Michael, we we certainly have quite a few national kitchen and bath brands that have been partners with us for a long time. Regionally, it's a very large category for us. And I, I echo Clint's sentiment. We see it across the country in many, many regional markets, right. regional kitchen and bath showrooms that are really doing things in an interesting way. Right. Right. And they all want their products in the Hamptons. No question. Oh, um, that's a given. Yes. Yeah. It's your top of the market. So I also wanted to ask you, all three of you now are sort of powers in the design industry. So how do you, how do you see your role in terms of bringing awareness to the talent in the regions that you cover or getting advertisers to recognize your importance how how does that how do you fill that role of being really not just a tastemaker but sort of an an enthusiast and a proponent for the talent in the respective regions that you cover I'll go first. Uh, first do, of all, I, I like to operate as though we still have a lot to prove. That's how I'm wired. I like mm-hmm. to I like to think that we've never, there's still a mountain to climb. There's no laurels that's, you're resting on. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, for, for us, I think, and I think for a lot of, uh, you know, brands, it's about, it's about 
how else are you communicating? So for us at Lux, you know, we're communicating. We have our our print books. It's our bread and butter. We have uh, digital. And, you know, we launched uh, something new thanks to COVID, which is Design TV. And so we have, it's another way for us to tell stories about design. It's another way for us to give voice. And these are sort of one-on-one programs. I'm doing some and our, our teams are doing them regionally. We'll get regional design pros together, put it out on our Facebook Live and IGTV. And I, you know, I think it's a time, Michael, where everybody is really hungry now for, you know, you have to be everywhere, right? As an editor in chief, I think everyone's going to nod their heads. It's Instagram and it's right. All of our jobs are more is more. And we all have to make sure that for our respective brands, we are communicating um, a message and quite frankly, for our reader, but also I I think for, for me, what's incredibly important is supporting the design communities and the larger design community. We are all in this together and everyone's success is everyone's success. So that's how we like to run it at Lutz. I, I, I totally understand and agree. What about you, Kendall? I mean, do you ever feel like this is something else I want to bring up too, is like, as I was told many times that when I was at Hearst, you know, a brand is not just a magazine, obviously the social media, but show houses, partnerships, is there pressure on, or I shouldn't say pressure, Uh, But is there this feeling that you want to get involved in that or feel you should be involved in that kind of thing? Sure. We've done many show houses um, almost every summer. And actually, we're doing one this year benefiting Southampton Hospital. And it's going to be a challenge because it's a virtual show house. But we're photographing it and printing it in the magazine. It's going to be on all of our social. And I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a really good project. I think the challenges I face as an editor are getting a little bit easier with every day because I'm kind of getting past that preconceived notion um, that everything in the Hamptons is the same. It's very hope and genius. Everyone's loaded. They all have McMansions and that's not true. There's there's so many creative people out here and people who live in different ways and in different houses. And um, it's always so much fun to explore that. Right. And what about uh, New England home, Clint? Is, I, I know you do different events and things like that, but is that something that you really feel is, is useful and worth it? Or Absolutely. The design community there loves to network. And the magazine sponsors, I can't even count how many um, networking events for members of the trade. And what's, what I think is a little different than what I experienced years ago in Atlanta is there's really this sort of cross-pollination where, um, as opposed to the interior designers having their group, the architects having their group, when there's a networking event in New England, the architects, the designers, the contractors, the builders, the landscape architects, they all come together. And there's this great idea exchange, whether it's you know a Thursday night cocktail party or uh, two of the big events that New England Home sponsors, Five Under 40, which... Um, recognizes new tastemakers or the Hall of Fame Awards, which um, really celebrates those who've had a lasting impact on um, design across New England. And then this year will be the second year that New England Home is um, going to be doing its Luxury Home Design Summit, which last year was the first year held out on Cape Cod. Yes, I remember. Yes, and, and surprisingly, 25% 25% of the attendees were from outside of New England. So it just oh, sort of shows that, you know, all of these 
magazines, which have a quote regional footprint, really do have a greater greater reach with social media and everything else. I would also add, you know, I think that Clint brought up such an important point that I I just want to add, you know, events and networking for our brand as well is incredibly important. And we, you know, in the last recession in 2008, 2009, when everyone was like, no one wanted to just talk. It was a, it was a tough time, obviously, <laughs> right? You'd go, you'd go out to a cocktail and, right, everyone's like, I don't want to really, <laughs> you know, business is tough. Exactly. So we decided to launch Lux Connects, where we, you know, as Clint was saying, we brought the architect, the builder, because we wanted to fil- facilitate on the business side the, the networking so that they can, you know, get projects. And we've not missed a beat. We're now doing them virtually. And, and we often have some national brands sit in on these. And I will say for me as the editor-in-chief, it's so important for me to hear what's happening with these designers, these architects. I learn a lot. And, um, and we're really happy to have that conversation and to facilitate this for them. It's a very important part of uh, the Lux brand and, and has been for quite some time. Right. Well, I think you're all doing fantastic jobs. I think that not only are you doing fantastic jobs, I think people, more and more people realize what a fantastic job you guys are doing. So I guess my, my last question really is, what do you see as coming next in terms of regional publishing in general, but specifically for your brands and your editions. So who wants to go first? Clint, why don't we start with you? Well, I, I want to answer your question, but in a roundabout way. I think one of the things... Take as many roundabouts sort of, as you want. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that's interesting about regional publications right now is that there is a great opportunity for designers and architects to be published. But with the instant gratification of social media, there's often this feeling of impatience, perhaps. There's certainly not the weight to get published as there is probably at a national magazine. I just saw a story that I commissioned and had photographs when I was at Veranda appear in the current issue, and that was well over two years ago. And so there is this new dance that I think we're all trying to figure out because, you know, I, for one, nor the New England Home Team editor, Jenna Talbot, and Robert Lester, the creative director, you know, none of us want to hold a hijacked hostage, but we have to really have these discussions about what exclusivity means, what pieces can you put out in the meantime, in the interim, before you get the big splash in the magazine. And I don't think there are any an- easy answers, but I think th- this is something that has come up in the last couple of years and is only going to become um, more of an issue if we don't really have this sort of um, dialogue up front. Right, right. Kendall, what do you see coming? I agree with Clinton about the challenges of social media. And also, right. um, I'm a little old school. I find it kind of ephemeral and, um, you know, it doesn't kind of hang around long enough. And the biggest compliment I get is when I walk into a house, I scout a project by an architect or designer, meet a homeowner. And there are stacks and stacks of HCNG magazines that they've been saving for the years. And I've met many people who have had every single issue since day one. And that's extremely gratifying, but also proves that the strength is in that print. And we just need to continue taking that print and then expanding our brand further off of that. Mm-hmm. And Pamela, what, what about you? What do you see 
you know, Lux's role now and in, in the next four or five years. Yeah, it's, it, this is our 15-year anniversary, which we're going to be oh. celebrating with our November-December issue. You know, Congrats. I think it's all, thank you. I think it's a lot of this is about the quality of what we're doing and making sure that we really uphold that. It's very interesting talking to so many designers across the country who are saying, I'm at home and you know what I'm doing for the first time? I'm reading my design books, you know, my hardcover books Mm -hmm. and my magazines. And I think it's the responsibility of all editors and chiefs, no matter what your brand is, fight for your paper, (laughs) make sure that the quality is there, you know, double check everything and, and do it. And, and I think for us, it's always been for our books, like make sure that they're ever evergreen. We don't put cover lines on. And so we want this to be something that is lasting. And, and, and I think it's all good. I love Instagram. I think we're just another tool in the design toolbox, Right. right? The greater design toolbox. So I love all of it. And, uh, yeah, who knows? Let's have a podcast in five years, Michael, and see where we land, right? <laughs> okay, That'll be interesting. sounds Let's good. We'll a make a date. Everyone, <laughs> I'm down for it if everyone else okay, is. Okay, <laughs> great, great. Well, I want to thank you guys. I think this has been fascinating and I think it will be really, really of interest and of great help to our listeners. So thank you so much. Thank you, Pamela Jacarino. Thank you, Kendall Kronstrom. And thank you, Clinton Smith. Thanks for listening to The Cherish Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend or colleague. Or even better, go to the iTunes store and post a review. We appreciate your help in spreading the word. And we would love your ideas for future episodes. Please email us at podcast at cherish.com. The Cherish Podcast is produced by Britta Muller and edited by Max Solomon of Hanger Studios in New York. Until next time.